are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to this Thursday, February 4th edition of Locked On Dolphins. I am your host, Kyle Krabs, Director of Scouting at the DraftNetwork.com, Managing Editor of USA Today's DolphinsWire.com, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, and today we're going to put on the team building hat for a little bit of a look at everybody's most pressing issue with the Miami Dolphins, their wide receiver room. Uh, looking forward to looking at the free agents at hand. Uh, we're going to do strictly free agent candidates for the Miami Dolphins on today's show. Uh, a little bit later in the process, probably after the draft, we will do the close inspection of the wide receiver class as it pertains to the Miami Dolphins. Uh, but before we get there, uh, we have some interesting nuggets right off the top, including everybody's favorite wide receiver in the 2021 NFL Draft class, uh, Devontae Smith, who did a Ask Me Anything session on Bleacher Report yesterday. And he doubled down on like the whole be cool to reunite with Tua, and, and I don't think anybody should be surprised by that at this point. Uh, it's kind of been teased. But... He did offer some additional praise for the Miami Dolphins, more specifically, Devontae Smith uh, offering up praise for Noah Igbenogany, the Dolphins' much maligned 30th overall pick in the 2020 NFL Draft. Best player you played against during your time at Alabama. Devontae Smith's answer was the CB from Auburn, Noah Igbenogany. He was the best DB I played against. And I think this is interesting because uh, obviously we have this contract standoff looming with Xavier Howard, uh, which will need to be resolved one way or another. But I think about positional value, and I think about the Dolphins choosing to draft Noah Igbenogany and, and him very clearly being in their plans, uh, but probably at outside corner. I don't think they're going to be intent to play him in the nickel. Uh, I think that the Dolphins always kind of knew they needed an insurance policy for Xavier Howard from a durability perspective. If the contract situation spirals out of control to the point in which they're not comfortable with it. Noah Igbenogany was drafted this past year with the 30th overall pick. He's probably going to, at some point, be phased in at the expense of who that's yet to be determined. But cornerback is not a position in which... Players come in and play at a high level right away. So I'm not going to knock Noah Igbenogany, who played two years of defense at Auburn, for struggling in the first month of the season when he's abruptly thrust into the lineup on game day to try to cover Stephon Diggs and gave up like 150 yards on like seven catches in coverage against Stephon Diggs, has a coverage bust two weeks later, uh, right before the half against Seattle for a critical touchdown. They're bad plays. I get it. But corner specifically, like, we know nothing about Noah Igbenogany, who was the youngest rookie in the 2020 NFL draft. Uh, you look at the corners across the league and the ones that had success. You think Noah's bad? Go look at what Jeff Akuda did, who was picked at number three for the Detroit Lions this past year. Jeff Akuda was terrible. You look at the vast majority of the first-round corners. They're drafted on traits. They're drafted on upside. They're drafted on ceiling. But you're going to be a really special corner to be pro-ready from day one. And I don't think Jeff Okuda necessarily went to the defensive system that was going to allow his best traits to shine. But you even look beyond him and Jeff Gladney. 
Let's let's actually do this. Okay, so AJ Terrell uh, was in coverage for 574 snaps. Uh, he gave up 71 receptions, 901 yards, five touchdowns, and an opposer pass rating of 109.2. AJ Terrell was a first round corner for the Atlanta Falcons. Jeff Gladding, Minnesota Vikings, 518 coverage reps. He gave up 876 yards in coverage and seven touchdowns, an opposer pass rating of 124.7. You got Ujumudia, who was a third-round corner, uh, 120.2 passer rating allowed. Trayvon Diggs, Dallas Cowboys, uh, 650 yards allowed, six touchdowns. Uh, He did finish with three interceptions, but an opposer pass rating of 96.9. Jeff Akuda, 251 snaps. Still allowed over 550 yards of passing yardage and an opposer pass rating of 112. C.J. Henderson with Jacksonville, 247 snaps in coverage. Almost 400 yards allowed, four touchdowns allowed, an opposer pass rating of 111.7. Damon Arnett, 204 snaps in coverage. Got exposed by Ryan Fitzpatrick at the end of the game. Uh, 129.2. Was his passer rating allowed? Igbenogany, 179. 306 yards in coverage, three touchdowns allowed, 133 passer rating allowed. This is kind of just par for the course for rookie corners. Rookie corners do not come in and balls at, ball out unless you're really, really, really special. So that was a selection that I think the Dolphins made anticipating, you know, Stay the course, long-term build, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, lo and behold, then they go out and win 10 games this year. And everybody wants to look back in hindsight and say, well, gee whiz, every single running back was on the board at 30. The Dolphins' running game stank. would probably be great to have some better running back talent. But running back is more of a luxury pick for rosters that are in position to take them early. And I don't think the Dolphins' roster entering the 2020 offseason or entering the 2020 draft could have realistically looked at themselves and said, yes, we are ready to take on a running back. Now, you look at the foundation that was laid this year, all of the youth that played, regardless of how good, average, mediocre, inconsistent, bad it played, one of the youngest rosters in the team, but foundation has been set. I think that door is open now. And that expectation for Najee Harris there at 18 uh, is a reasonable one, but... No, I would strongly encourage Dolphins fans to to keep the faith with Noah Benogany, he's a player who only played two years. So all these other corners that we mentioned, Noah arguably has a higher ceiling than most of them because he's a superb athlete. You know, he, he tests very well from an, a functional athleticism perspective and a athletic testing perspective, and he's only played corner for two years. So you combine all these things, and Devontae Smith looks back at his entire career at Alabama and says the best defensive back I lined up for my entire career at Alabama was Noah Igbenogany. Stay the course with Noah Igbenogany. And please resist the urge to use hindsight as it pertains to Noah Igbenogany. I know it's easy. I know it's tempting. But this pick is one of those picks that if it will or won't pay dividends, we'll know at the end of year three. We're not going to know at the end of year one. And that's a challenge for for the work that we do over, over at the Draft Network and uh, doing player assessments. And, and you kind of have to draw the line in the sand and say, okay, some of these guys, you're drafting them for what they can be immediately, what they can be at the end of year one. But some of these guys, you're drafting them for what they can be at the end of year three. And I think Noah Benogany is one of those players. 
It's also exciting as I thought that about Robert Hunt too. I thought that about Austin Jackson. Of course, the other side of that coin is I, I thought Tua Tungvaloa would be a uh, day one payoff type. And obviously he started and he had some success, but uh, the consistency wasn't where it was expected. But again, extenuating circumstances there between the injury and the rehab and the untraditional offseason and the supporting cast that was built for somebody else working around him. No, no need to push the panic button. Uh, but that that's the tricky part about draft evaluations, right? You're evaluating players before the draft when really you get your best chance to evaluate the players and come up with the most accurate assessment of, of prognosticating what they're going to look like once they're with their team. RockAuto.com is a family business who's been providing auto parts customers with high-quality service online for the last 20 years. So whether you're looking for your classic or daily driver, you're looking for engine control modules, brake parts, taillights, motor oil, or even new carpet, RockAuto.com has everything you need in one easy-to-navigate catalog, and in just a few clicks, you can get everything you need delivered directly to your front door. And best of all, prices are the same at RockAuto.com for both professionals and do-it-yourselfers, so why would you go anywhere else and spend up to twice as much for the same parts? So visit RockAuto.com for all your auto parts needs, right locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know we sent you, Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all of the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Final thought on uh, this corner class and, and no Igbenogany and uh, the best rookie corner this year, arguably. Legarius Sneed, corner, Kansas City. Passer rating allowed of 53.4, three interceptions. Uh, he allowed 214 yards in coverage on 233 snaps in coverage. Uh, Fourth-round pick, Legereus Sneed. You never know which guy is going to pop off, but larger sample sizes and player development should take us to a point where we're more comfortable with what we have in Noah Panagini. So the Dolphins' uh, free agent prospects. Uh, what I've done is I've pulled up um, spot track list of the top wide receivers available in free agency. I've listed them by their 2020 pay. So, you know, we're, we're not going to get to Juju Smith-Schuster right away. We're not going to get to Nelson Aguilar right away. We're not going to get to Chris Godwin right away or Kenny Galladay, but they'll be there for us to talk about. And what I'd like to do today is spend the rest of the show uh, kind of just working through this list and identifying yes or no players I would or would not be interested in at least having the conversation about and how good of a fit they would be for working with Tua Tungvalo. Uh, so the top receiver uh, from a 2020 pay perspective is Cincinnati Bengals wide receiver A.J. Green. Green will be 33 years old this upcoming season, uh, and his cap hit last year for Cincinnati was a whopping $18.17 million in cash because the Bengals chose to franchise tag A.J. Green and get 47 receptions for 523 yards and two touchdowns out of him for $18 million instead of doing the sound and smart thing, which is to trade him or tag and trade him or trade him at last year's trade deadline in 2019. This is what bad teams do. These are the kind of lessons that you can look at and learn and say, okay, we're not going to make an emotional investment because A.J. Green's been here for a decade plus. I don't care how long he's been here. Is he going to help you moving forward? And Cincinnati, with all the youth that they had, you know, they had an opportunity to move A.J. Green for potentially significant draft capital, and they chose to keep him and instead forfeited significant draft capital and nearly $20 million 
uh, to keep AJ Green because there was an emotional attachment to him being there for so long. Let's not do that. Uh, but AJ Green, 33 years old this upcoming season, there's a zero percent chance I would like a fit. I won't say there's a zero percent chance the Dolphins will sign him because you never know. But there's a zero percent chance that I would like a fit for AJ Green in the Dolphins' offense. Allen Robinson. His annual average salary as of 2020 was $14 million. He's probably going to come in at 50% plus more than that, somewhere between $18 and $20 million is the expected payout. He caught 102 balls, 1,250 yards, and six touchdowns in Chicago with a terrible passing offense. Would he be a fit for the Dolphins? Yes, absolutely. Just because he's big, uh, I do think he is a player who can create Separation, he averaged 2.3 yards of separation per target last year, according to next-gen stats. That might not seem like a lot. Uh, A lot of the best receivers, the most productive receivers, were somewhere around 3 yards of separation plus per target. But when you consider Devontae Parker was 1.7 and Mike Isecki was 2 on the dot, and those are two of the three lowest figures in the entire NFL last year for qualifying pass catchers, 2.3, a little extra throwing window, uh, is uh, an extra foot of space to work with. I don't think Allen Robinson, however, uh, financially is a super attractive fit for the Dolphins just because of the cost involved. Dolphins would have to manufacture some space. Uh, we may get lucky and the, the cap may end up checking in around $185 million versus the floor of $175 million. If that is the case, that would be a big win. Uh, you could... Know, see the cap increase by about $10 million, and then you could take that investment in stride, especially if you end up parting ways with Jakeem Grant and some of the other guys who uh, are going to be able to save you 3 to $5 million by parting ways with. I would love the fit. Um, it feels almost too splashy for Miami. Uh, obviously, they paid out big contracts last year. I don't know if they're going to be as aggressive. Uh, they may lean into being a little bit more fiscally conservative, And if that's the case, Allen Robinson may be priced out, especially when you consider some of the other teams that actually have like significant cap space to spend will be able to offer him comfortably much more money than what the Dolphins can. Uh, T.Y. Hilton, he is listed on SpotTrack as being set to be 32 years years old this season, Uh, 56 receptions, 762 yards, five touchdowns, his annual average salary, entering 2020 was $13 million. The good news is you can expect him to check in lower than that. Uh, he's he's kind of past the peak of his career, uh, but the downside is you're paying for a player who's past the peak of his career, and because of that, I don't think he's a great fit for the Dolphins. Uh, I don't think he's a bad fit, but his style of play uh, and a cost that's probably going to be somewhere between 8 and $10 million annual average salary is not ideal. Uh, I don't think he'd be very high up on my pecking order, but certainly if the Dolphins find themselves looking for contingencies in plan B and C and D, uh, Hilton can make those lists. And his style of play as a speed receiver, a yak guy, would definitely make some sense uh, for the Dolphins. So he's one that I'm moderately interested in. Uh, but primarily as a backup option to some of the younger players. Marvin Jones, he's been tied to the Dolphins a lot. You, you tweet something about Marvin Jones and the Miami Dolphins, odds are he's going to see it, he's going to like it, he's going to be involved and, and, and on board with promoting the idea of, yeah, I want to go play in Miami. Uh, his annual average salary last entering last season was $8 million. He caught 
Uh, 76 passes for 978 yards and nine touchdowns. He's going to be 31 years old this upcoming season. He'll be one of the older players on the roster uh, when they sign him. He'll, he'll actually turn uh, 31 next month, it looks like. Estimated annual average salary for him is 10.5. Uh, some of the comparable contracts, for, according to Spot Tracker, what was given to Emmanuel Sanders and Deshaun Jackson and Golden Tate and Cole Beasley. If I can get Marvin Jones on the Cole Beasley contract, I am ready to go. Uh, the Cole Beasley contract was signed when Cole Beasley was 29. It was four years, $29 million. If I can get that, I'm ready to sign Marvin Jones. Uh, he is not super speedy. He's not super dynamic, but he is super productive, and he can make plays on the ball down the field, uh, which is an area that the Dolphins are going to need to loosen up a little bit. My crazy about like is that like a yes? This is a long term staple signing? No, not necessarily. But I could pretty pretty quickly get into a buy in scenario with Marvin Jones. The NFL playoffs are here, and while the Dolphins are not qualified, it does not mean you cannot still be a winner this winter. There's only one place that has you covered and one place that we trust for all of your online sports bets, betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sports book experts. When it comes to getting or staying in shape, nothing feels as good as that feeling of accomplishment, of hitting your fitness goals and feeling great about yourself. Echelon can help you get there. Echelon offers the next generation of connected bikes, mirrors, rowing machines, and their all-new Echelon Stride Smart Treadmill. No matter what your favorite fitness activity is, Echelon gives you a fun and challenging workout from the comfort of your own home. Their world-class instructors will motivate you on thousands of daily, live, and on-demand studio-level classes, always available when you need them, and unlike their competitors, Echelon is affordable for everyone, and one membership lets up to five family members all work out at the same time. Right now, you can try any Echelon fitness equipment at home for 30 days. Go to echelonfit.com NFL to get started. That's E-C-H-E-L-O-N fit dot com slash NFL to get started. The next name I'm, I'm actually kind of low key rooting for the Dolphins to sign just for my own petty reasons because of I wrote for Dolphins Wire today is Corey Davis, wide receiver from Tennessee, a free agent fit with the Dolphins? Question mark. That was the title, and the first three replies were whoever writes for Dolphins Wire needs to be fired. All these good receivers, and this is the name that you come. Guys, I'm doing a series. I'm going to do all of them. Relax. <laughs> but even at the end of the article, I said, honestly, like Corey Davis make would make sense for Miami if they want to continue their size trends. Financially speaking, uh, he's young. He's going to be another one of these $8 to $10 million a year guys, so it's not breaking the bank like Allen Robinson. Uh, he's 26 years old. He caught 65 passes for 984 yards and five touchdowns, like set career highs across the board in a contract here. But I said at the end of the article, ultimately, I think the Dolphins will skew their build out a little bit more towards Tua's strengths as compared to staying with the trends that they've established on the roster to this point in time. So he's probably not a great fit. And I asked the question, they still asked for me to be fired from Dolphins Wire. 
So, moral of the story, read the article, please. Please read the article. Or just don't tweet. At least don't tweet for me to lose my job because you read a headline and made an assumption leap of faith. Ultimately speaking, I don't think Corey Davis stylistically is a huge needle mover unless the Dolphins want to try to force Tua Tagovailoa to continue to fit within their preferred structure of what the offense and what the passing game should look like. And if they're going to try and develop him into throwing into tighter windows, okay. You know, he he's kind of in that same Allen Robinson area, 2.4 yards of separation per target. Not great, but certainly better than what Devontae Parker and Mike Gusecki put on the field last year. John Ross. I see a lot of people ask about John Ross. Uh, his annual average salary entering last season was $4.28 million. He's, he'll be 27 years old. Uh, he played in three games, 86 snaps, had two catches for 17 yards. No, I'm not. Not unless it's absolute veterans minimum one-year contract on a prove-it deal. John Ross, the allure of John Ross's 40 time uh, coaxed the Bengals into drafting him top 10. And the dirty little secret about John Ross is I didn't even think his college tape was that good but they still overdrafted him. Uh, they got to the point where they could have par- parted ways with him. They were toying and teasing with potentially playing him at corner, which he had a little bit of experience with at Washington uh, because they had some depth issues there. John Ross, issues with durability, cannot catch the football, blazing fast, undersized. What's the difference with him and Jakeem Grant? And the whole appeal and point is we want to upgrade the receivers that we have. And I don't see anything... Jakeem Grant has better production than John Ross does. John Ross had like a 10-game stretch a couple years ago where he actually found the end zone with like every third ball he caught, but he hardly ever caught the football. I would be, unless it is an absolute bottom-floor spending expenditure, out on adding John Ross. Will Fuller, on the other hand, from the Houston Texans. Yes, uh, he's going to be in between what we talked about with the Marvin Joneses and the Corey Davises and the T.Y. Hiltons versus the Allen Robinsons. I would expect Fuller's probably going to get somewhere around 15 per. Uh, he was on pace for a career year, on pace for 1,000 yards, took the six-game suspension, missed the last five games. Big play threat down the field. The challenge is, is are the Dolphins going to be comfortable with transitioning away from so much of the within the 10-yard, 15-yard passing box that they were last year. If they're staying in-house and they're keeping a lot of the same concepts. If they look to fold in more vertical concepts, Will Fuller would make sense. He's probably about the spending ceiling that I would be comfortable with with what we know about the cap right now. Uh, Of course, there's durability issues here. The... PED suspension doesn't give you a lot of comfort to sleep at night. Uh, But he's probably the most high-priced name that I would feel comfortable with. Curtis Samuel from Carolina is interesting. His annual average salary was $1.6 million entering this year. He had 77 catches for 851 yards and three touchdowns. Gadgety player. He's the upgrade over Albert Wilson and Limbone Jr., and Malcolm Perry, like he's that kind of receiver. He's not a true, in my opinion, uh, outside Z receiver. You run him on vertical routes. He's got the speed to do it. But if you are going to sign Curtis Samuel, you better have, you know, he had some running back experience at Ohio State. 
you better be willing to A, pay him up to $10 million a year, and B, you better have a clear vision for him because if you bring in these gadget players and you just expect them to plug and play in the slot, he's never going to live up to the expectations. In Carolina, they had some folds and wrinkles that they could do with him. They had Robbie Anderson. They had DJ Moore. They had Christian McCaffrey. Uh, they have other options that allows him to be such a lethal complementary piece. Do you want to pay $10 million for a lethal complementary piece? That's the question you have to ask yourselves. And if you're, you're comfortable with that answer being yes, I think Curtis Samuel makes sense for the Dolphins in that he can create explosive plays. He has run-after-catch ability. He's versatile. Um, $10 million per. Hope it's guaranteed put in with, with performance escalators. Because if you just give him that straight up, I just worry about getting your return on investment. I'm not quite sure the ceiling is there unless you have a very specific plan. And the Dolphins with co-offensive coordinators, uh, we, we don't have a lot of answers for what that's going to look like until we get to see them on the field. Two more. Juju Smith-Schuster, 97 receptions for 831 yards and nine touchdowns, averaged 8.6 yards per catch this past year. Uh, I've soured on him a little bit. Uh, he has not looked the same since Antonio Brown left. He definitely appeared to have some uh, overconfidence and, and sure loves his TikTok videos. And there's nothing wrong with player branding, but I do question how that would fly with Brian Flores and this Dolphins coaching staff. Uh, so I am a little skeptical there. And then obviously the production of 8.6 yards per catch on 97 receptions. I know this Pittsburgh Steelers offense made some concessions for Ben Roethlisberger, but Holy cow, uh, that's a struggle to to kind of overlook and ignore. His projected salary, according to Track, is $16 million per season. Uh, the comparable contracts were Amari Cooper, Tyreek Hill, Michael Thomas, Odell Beckham, all signed at the age of 25. Uh, the good news is Juju is young. He's very young. There's still probably some, some tapped-in development to be had his, at 24 years old. He's been in the league four years. But he hasn't been the same player for the last two seasons. So I'd be real apprehensive about spending $16 million per. You can get him for a discounted rate. You can get him for 8 to 10 if you put him in that bucket and he's comfortable playing for that. Great. I just don't know if that's going to happen. Last but not least, I do want to bring Chris Godwin into the fray. I don't think Kenny Galladay is a good fit for the Dolphins. He's another one of these non-separators. Uh, Chris Godwin, home run hire and signing if you can get him. Uh, the bad news is, uh, from talking with Trevor Sikkim over at the Draft Network, who's you know used to be on the Tampa Bay beat, his expectation is Tampa does not let Godwin out the door. Godwin would be the player that if you're going to pay the the Will Fuller money to, uh, I'm ready to pay it. Uh, so you have Allen Robinson at 20 per. I'm lukewarm because of the price, unless the cap grows and we get rid of some players that are already on the books. You got the 15 mil per year guys is probably Will Fuller, Juju Smith-Schuster, and Chris Godwin. If Godwin's on the market, he's the one I want. You have the 8 to 10 million per guys, and that's the Marvin Joneses of the world, the T.Y. Hiltons of the world, the Curtis Samuels of the world. Uh, I'm pretty comfortable with Curtis Samuel. I can get on board with that fairly quickly. Uh, Corey Davis, not so much. T.Y. Hilton's probably my backup plan in that price range you're probably only going to get one out of those three tiers of spending power, and then you'll go get a guy like a Keelan Cole or a guy like a Zay Jones. And then on top of that, you can add two two receivers through the NFL draft. I refuse to believe we're not going to double that. Uh, 
And that's how you can overmake your, your wide receiver. So that's kind of my snapshot, big picture view. We're about six weeks out from free agency, uh, middle of March. So I want to start having some of these conversations now. I hope you guys enjoyed. Keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. I got one more show for you this week. So come on back, hit subscribe. Talk to you guys tomorrow. Fins up. Thanks as always for listening.